Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 13th of July, 2022. Happy Wednesday, halfway to the weekend, ladies and gentlemen. Appreciate you listening, downloading, sharing, telling a friend, all that good stuff. I want to get started as quickly as possible. Just go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast or DerekHunter.locals.com. Support the show, enter the contest, all that good stuff. Now let's get on with the program. We've got a lot going on in the world. I want to get to it as soon as possible. We've got to start off. It's a horrible situation. I know. You don't ever want to talk about this. But you have to sometimes. And you have to point out the left's lies. No matter how uncomfortable those lies are, no matter how absurd those lies are, no matter how disgusting those lies are, the left, damn, they love to lie. They will latch onto a lie like a dog latches onto the other end of a rope. And you just you just want the rope. And you're like, I'm not letting this go. Not letting it go. You even want, what are you going to do with the rope if you get the rope? I don't know. I'm just not letting it go. The Russian dossier was one of those things. Too good to fact check. Too good to fact check. And besides, every time they fact checked it, they couldn't prove anything. They couldn't. It turned out to be false. They're like, oh, man. Michael Cohen didn't go to Europe to no he didn't well it's all right just stop checking things all right stop looking at things because that just disproves this stuff so stop doing it and then we uh then we'll be fine that's the way journalism sort of has devolved that's the way the left is now and these stories still come along every once in a while where they're just so damn perfect so perfect they fit the left's narrative like the missing Lego piece. And it's just like, oh, it has to be true. And it, we need it to be true. And it's weird because people who don't believe in God is like, God made this story just for us. Like, well, no, God, you don't believe in God. You, you put go- government as your God. Did government create this story? I'm talking about the alleged rape of a 10-year-old girl in the state of Ohio. Horrible even to talk about it. Horrible to even think about it. But you can take comfort in the fact that it didn't happen. You you can take comfort in the fact that it did not happen, that this is a lie that the left is telling to advance their narrative on abortion. That's That's all you need to know. So every time you hear somebody talk about this, it is a lie. Then you have to decide... Whether or not the people talking about this, whether or not the people writing about this, whether or not the people tweeting about this, whatever, whether or not they know it's a lie. Do they know it's a lie? If they have an IQ larger than that of their shoe size, they should know that it is a lie, or at least be very suspicious of it, because it has this story has been elevated to the point of being national news the president of the united states i'll play audio in a second the president of the united states talked about this that elevates it to like if that's there should be an investigation into this if the person who uh, did this the rape of a 10 year old girl and getting her pregnant the person who did this should be the subject of a nationwide manhunt 
and if they are not currently rotting in jail, if they are currently rotting in jail, good. I think the American public would like to know this. I think somebody should tell the president of the United States. What's weird is when the president of the United States talked about this. Maybe it's because he's Hunter's dad. But when the president of the United States talked about this, he expressed exactly zero concern that the rapist be brought to, to, to justice. Could be that, you know, maybe Joe is sitting there remembering his time with Tara Reid and he doesn't want to go down that road. Never stopped him before. When it was a conservative, he could accuse of something. He's happy to do it. Happy, to, gleeful to do it. But when it's his own son and prostitutes and clearly trafficked prostitutes, human trafficked victims, exploited young girls, possibly underage girls, transported across state lines after being transported around the world for the pleasure of wealthy perverts and drug addicts. His dad has no real concern about that. You notice that the, the exploitation of women from the party of women isn't really discussed when it comes to Hunter Biden. He films himself with these prostitutes, arguing with prostitutes. And they're clearly tormented women. They clearly have been abused. They're scared to death. One bad word from the client to their pimp, essentially their owner, not their pimp, means beatings, means no food, means all sorts of torture. And there's no discussion about that amongst the uh, feminist groups out there, that Joe Biden raised somebody who is clearly in the uh, and enjoys exploiting women. Mm, whatever. Maybe more on that later. I don't know. Just occurred to me. But uh, this back to this story. On Friday, the pres- this story had been circulating around. It had been uh, making its way a little bit through left-wing media, which is why it got to Joe Biden on Friday to talk about and what's weird is how this got around the media with nobody checking it nobody factoring it nobody insisting on it it's just too good to be true it has to be true the story is a 10-year-old girl in Ohio was raped and impregnated and to get an abortion she had to travel to uh, Illinois she had to leave, or I think it was Indiana, Illinois. I think it was maybe Indiana. Uh, we'll have it. In a, I'll read it in a second. But the story then is that this 10-year-old girl, this is an example of the, the horrible, horrible Republicans oppressing women, particularly young women, particularly sexual assault victims. It has all the elements. You, If you had a box of parts and you were to put together a narrative that the left can gather around that encapsulates everything they want the people to believe about abortion. This would be the story. This is this would be the end result. This is what you'd come up with out of that box of parts, which should have been a red flag, but it wasn't. It's just too good. Like the, the every story about Donald Trump that turned out to be false. And there are a lot of stories that turned out to be false about Donald Trump. It was, oh, he didn't want to go to the uh, D-Day Memorial in France over at Normandy because those losers died for their country. Oh, okay. Well, that doesn't sound anything like Donald. Look, you can dislike Donald Trump all you want, but 
He's not, aside from like John McCain, he's not out there going, God, soldiers are stupid. The ones who died are the worst. They're just hair. No, Donald Trump attacks people who attack him first. He attacks back. So to sit there and think that he would just attack people who died on D-Day is stupid. But the Atlantic ran with it. Too good to fact check. When somebody did bother to get around to fact-checking, literally everybody connected with the story, including some of Trump's advisors who don't like him, didn't like him, it wasn't an immediate story, who do not like him, said that didn't happen. That's not true. That's not, that, no. And the Atlantic said, yeah, but still. Doesn't matter. Close enough seems right it feels right it feels the donald trump that i have constructed in my head that is just this side of having horns and a tail he would have said something like this so i'm going to just run with it i'm going to assume that it's real too good to check from then on they stopped track checking so listen to the president of the united states on friday bring up this story about this 10-year-old girl, horrible as it is. And she was forced to have to travel out of the state to Indiana to seek to terminate the presidency and maybe save her life. That's last part is my judgment. 10 years old. 10 years old. Raped, six weeks pregnant, already traumatized, was forced to travel to another state. Imagine being that little girl. Just, I'm, I'm serious, just imagine being that little girl, 10 years old. Does anyone believe that it's Ohio's majority view that that should not be able to be dealt with? Or in any other state in the nation? A 10-year-old girl should be forced to give birth to a rapist's child? I can tell you what I don't. I can't think of anything as much more extreme. <sighs> 10 years old. 10 years old. 10 years old. Perfect narrative for the left. But it just seemed a bit a little on the nose, doesn't it? Just after just after Roe v. Wade was overturned. Not two weeks after Roe v. Wade was overturned. Suddenly this story that has every element in it shows up. The Democrats, it shows up. And there it is. Now what is the origin of this story? Well, it turns out that it is an abortion activist. Huh? See, because people started looking at this story and saying that doesn't make any sense. Because the one glaring omission, if you're not obsessed with the abortion, not obsessed with the abortion, you listen to that story and you think, who is this son of a bitch who raped the 10-year-old? And I hope they're rotting in jail. I hope they're being beaten up in jail. I hope that all those stories you hear about what happens to child molesters in prison are true. And I hope they're happening to this guy right now. And I hope he doesn't make it. I hope he doesn't make it. But you don't. You don't hear anything about that. The President of the United States 
is more concerned that the kid had to go and get an abortion somewhere than they are that the monster out there who rapes 10-year-olds could still be out there. Fact is, we don't know. In the state of Ohio, there is nobody not only charged or under arrest for raping a 10-year-old in these circumstances, but nobody even accused of it. There's been no report of this crime. By law, they have to report this crime. Now, the person, like they discover they're pregnant or somebody discovers this 10-year-old. Somebody knows, if this 10-year-old exists, somebody knows that this child was raped. Somebody knows that some human male did this. And they're uh, letting them get away with it, apparently, because they have not gone to the authorities. Now, with the alleged abortion of this ghost person having been performed in Indiana, the jurisdiction of the must report these crimes to a uh, to the authorities is usurped because the people in Indiana are not subject to the laws of the state of Ohio. But would you not think that even an abortionist would go, Who the hell? I'm I'm calling the police in Ohio. I'm calling the police in Ohio. I will. I don't want this rapist out there. Wouldn't you think that that would happen? Or are abortionists simply laser focused and disinterested in anything else? Do they are? Is the point of this story that abortion or one of the in in unintended consequences of this story is to point out that abortionists don't really care about you know victims of sex crimes. They just want the business. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know any abortion doctors. But it seems to me to be a little absurd, does it not, to you? Nobody would sit there, nobody in journalism, nobody in media would be at all interested. Even as an aside, I get it, MSNBC, CNN, their main point is this girl needed an abortion and she had to travel to get it. I understand that. But the rapist who uh, should be, as a passing thought, right at the end of the segment, maybe Chris Hayes goes, by the way, the uh, child's uh, neighbor or whatever, whoever was, was arrested and is facing charges, facing life in prison. I think you get life in prison for raping a 10-year-old in, in Ohio. If not, you should. You should actually be executed, but that's beside the point. There's no concern. There's no discussion. There's no acknowledgement. There's no interest in who did this. Maybe Joe Biden isn't interested in who did this because deep down inside of him, he's sitting there thinking, there's a decent possibility that it was my son, that it was Hunter. And I don't, I don't want, you know, it's still a long shot in the grand scheme of things. I don't think he's been to Ohio, but I also, I don't want to risk it. And oh, by the way, the idea that the doctors in Indiana might report, somebody had to confirm theoretically, that this child was pregnant, right? Probably a doctor in Ohio. She couldn't get an abortion in Ohio, according to these people. So she had to travel. Well, that implies, at least heavily infers, that maybe just maybe she tried to. Somewhere out there, if this happened, there is a trail of breadcrumbs that no journalist has bothered to follow. 
It's not as though, you know, you could understand it, I guess, if they said we've talked to the family of the victim. They acknowledge the story, they confirm the story, but they asked, please, to be left alone. It's a horrible, horrible time for them. You could maybe understand that a little bit. It hasn't been done. This is the same media, by the way, that will move heaven and earth and spend who knows how much money flying some airhead piece of garbage like Taylor Lorenz all around the country, knocking on doors of possible family members, of relatives of the anonymous Libs of TikTok account. They'll spare no expense to track down who that person is because they tweet things that liberals post themselves online. They have no problem with that. But when it comes to looking into who this 10-year-old rape victim might be, I don't want to know the name. I want to know the name of the attacker. I want to know that the attacker is in prison. I want to know that the attacker is going to spend the rest of their life in prison. Don't you? As a father of two young girls, I want to know that every monster of that type that we can get and we can find that ever rears its ugly head or even tries to do something like this, that they are rotting away in jail. And there isn't a single damn bit of concern for this anywhere. Anywhere. That should be the first red flag. So the president is outraged. The president elevates this uh, alleged rape of a 10-year-old. To the point. You'd think the president would go, and my, not, in addition to being outraged about this story, I assure you that the Justice Department will work with local authorities to make sure that this SOP never in a million years sees the light of day again. You'd be wrong. Joe Biden never mentioned it. Just like, I mean, this administration doesn't give a damn. If it doesn't help them, it might as well not have happened. But the fact checkers over at the Washington Post decided to look into this. They had to look into this. And uh, not all the other BS that Joe Biden spews. No, no, no. They decided to look into this, which is fine. This is something that needs to be looked into. But their conclusion leaves something to be desired, to put it mildly. Their headline, a one-source story about a 10-year-old and an abortion goes viral. Goes viral. Not the president repeats unfounded story, BS story, nothing like that. It's just, oh, the story has gone viral. And it, it quote Biden right at the front, quote, this isn't some imagined horror. It's already happening. Just last week, it was reported that a 10-year-old girl was a, uh, a rape victim, 10 years old. And she was forced to travel out of state to Indiana to seek to terminate the pregnancy and maybe save her life, end quote, President Biden. Horrible, horrible. Said if, uh, uh, if this is the account of a one source story that quickly went viral around the world, the Supreme Court overturning of Roe v. Wade, which had guaranteed a right to abortion, has led to a number of states to quickly impose new laws to restrict or limit abortions. Ohio was one of the first, imposing a ban on abortions after six weeks of pregnancy, with no exceptions for rape and incest. On July 1st, the Indianapolis Star, also known as the Indy Star, published an article written by the newspaper's medical writer, about how women seeking abortions had begun to travel from Ohio to Indiana, where less restrictive abortion laws are still in place. Quote, patients head to Indiana for abortion services as other states restrict their care. The article was headlined. Okay. 
Now that's that is a, as as they point out in this thing. It's a pretty benign headline for a story containing a horrible tale of a ten-year-old being raped and impregnated. Right? Said that was a benign headline, but it was the anecdotal beginning that caught the attention of other news organizations. The article said that three days after the June twenty-fourth court ruling, three days, perfect timing, just perfect timing. An Indianapolis obstetrician-gynecologist, Caitlin Bernard, who performs abortions, received a call from, quote, a child abuse doctor. And what the hell is a child abuse doctor? You know? A child abuse doctor in Ohio who had a 10-year-old patient who was six weeks and three days pregnant. Just three days. Oh, man, just three days. And you know what? It's just three days after the ruling. Three days, three days. Perfect. Perfect timing. It's like the stuff of movies, you know, BS movies that are made up. A 10-year-old patient who was just six weeks and three days pregnant, unable to obtain an abortion in Ohio. Now, if you are going there, if you're this, for this girl or her caretakers or theoretically parents, whatever, to know that she was six weeks and three days pregnant, there would had to have been a conversation with a medical professional, would there not have been? That medical professional would then have fallen under the law in Ohio that mandates, requires them to report the raping of a 10-year-old girl. Did no report has been filed. Again, I'm just thinking this through. I'm not a professional journalist. I just have some questions. And apparently the professional journalists have no questions. The Indy Star is like, well, well that sounds like a hell of a story. Unable to obtain abortion in Ohio, quote, the girl soon was on her way to Indiana, uh, to Indiana to Bernard's care, the star reported. The only source cited for the anecdote was Bernard. She's on record. But there is no indication that the newspaper made other attempts to confirm her account. Again, just too damn good to fact check. Too damn good to fact check. Oh, all right. How do you spell child rapist? That's terrible. That's this is great stuff. This is terrible. It's horrible news, but I'm loving this story. Please, any more details you want to give me. I love this. I mean, it's horrible, awful, awful. I feel terrible inside, but I'm loving this story. This is going to go over really well with my editors. The story's lead reporter, Sherry Rudvasky, did not respond to a query asking whether additional sourcing was obtained. See those journalists? That, wait, somebody's questioning me? I bet Jason Blair wasn't really quick to respond to, on um, Stephen Glass wasn't very quick to respond to people at other publications going, hey, uh, those are fantastical stories. Uh, you got any proof of them? Ah. Then, let's see, a Gannett spokeswoman provided comment from Bro Crift, the newspaper's executive editor. Quote, the facts and the sourcing about people crossing state lines into Indiana, including the 10-year-old girl for abortions, are clear. We have no additional comment at this time. The facts and the sourcing, meaning the one abortionist trying to make a point. She's very clear. She said it happened. We have no reason to doubt that this perfect scenario that just happens to coincide exactly with the uh, the ruling by the Supreme Court happened. We have no reason to doubt it. Hmm. It should have never been reported in the first place. Most things require too used to require 
two sources, two independent sources, if they're going to be anonymous. The story quickly caught fire, becoming a headline in newspapers around the world. News organizations increasingly aggregate or repackage reporting from elsewhere if it appears of interest to readers. So Bernard remained the only source, and other news organizations did not follow up to confirm her account. Now, if only Glenn Kessler of the Washington Post worked at such a news organization that might be in a position to launch somebody out there to fact check it? You know anybody, Glenn? You guys do employ Taylor, uh, what's her face, running around the country tracking down lives of TikTok. Maybe you could, I don't know, break somebody. You just suspended Dave Weigel for a month without pay because he retweeted a joke. I think he's back on the job now. He travels all the time. Maybe you could dispatch him. Got anybody out there, any interest at all in doing journalism? That would be the thing. You would think a journalistic outfit might might have passing interest in committing journalism. But no. Now here's a sampling. The Daily Mail on July 1st, quote, child abuse victim 10, who was six weeks pregnant, is forced to travel from Ohio to Indiana for an abortion after home state outlaws it under Roe v. Wade ruling. The UK Guardian, 10-year-old rape victim forced to travel from Ohio to Indiana for abortion. The Jerusalem Post, 10-year-old rape victim denied abortion in Ohio. Over all the way over to Bangladesh. U.S. 10-year-old Ohio girl denied abortion after abortion ruling. Worldwide, no journalism was practiced. On CNN's Sunday interview show on July 3rd, South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem was pressed about the story. Don't you love this? Republican goes on there. Kristi Noem is out pushing her book right now. She's there to talk about her book. And what is she confronted with on CNN? What about this story about this 10-year-old? Why do you hate this 10-year-old? Why do you believe it would be better for this 10-year-old to die? What? What are you talking about? Just come on, Governor. Answer the question. Noam, a Republican who opposes abortion rights, said the story was tragic and she uh, and the focus should be on the rapist. Quote, as much as we talk can talk about what we can do for that little girl, I think we need to be addressing those sick individuals that do this to our children. Yeah, you think? Under Ohio law, a physician as a mandated is a mandated reporter under Ohio's revised code, criminal code, which would require to report any known case or suspected physical, sexual, or emotional abuse or neglect of a child to their local child welfare or law enforcement agency. Where's that report? So Bernard's colleague would have had to make such a report to law enforcement at the same time he or she contacted Bernard, presumably, then a criminal case would be opened. But the hero of the story, Bernard, the abortion doctor, declined to identify to the fact checker, her colleague, or the city where the child was located. Quote, Thank you for reaching out. I'm sorry, but I don't have any information to share, end quote. You don't have any information to share. So we're supposed to believe that this supposed doctor of some sort named Caitlin Bernard, who has been quoted extensively, by the way, 
in previous news stories as an abortion activist. So she's not unknown to reporters. She's just unfact-checked by them. We're supposed to believe that this person got a call from a doctor saying, I got a 10-year-old rape victim. I'm going to send your way because I can't do it here. All right, please do. Send it over here. And uh, Bernard never once got any information from the child. All right, I don't know. I need to know your name. I don't need to verify anything. I don't want to know any of the details. I don't want to know anything. Let's just get you on this table and let's get this done. Let's do this thing. Huh? Is that what we're supposed to believe? That's what her statement would seem to imply. I don't have any information to share. That's not, I'm not going to share any information. It's, I don't have any information to share. I didn't even ask the kid's name. How did a 10-year-old get 400 miles to the West to get an abortion? Somebody drove. Was there no, did the adult wait in the car so that you didn't have any contact with the adult? Did you just take care of a rapist's victim? while protecting the identity of the rapist, while the rapist sat in your parking lot? Nothing of this occurs to anybody, apparently. Dan Tierney, press secretary for Ohio Governor Mike DeWine, said the governor's office was unaware of any specific case, but said under the state's decentralized system, records would be held at the local level. Thus, he said, it would be hard to confirm a report without knowing the local jurisdiction. To narrow the search, he added, quote, the rape of a 10-year-old girl would certainly be newsworthy. As a spot check, we contacted, this is again the Washington Post, we contacted child service agencies in some of Ohio's most populous cities, including Cleveland, Columbus, Cincinnati, Dayton, and Toledo. None of the officials we reached were aware of such a case in their areas. Hmm. DeWine asked Wednesday about the report, called it a tragedy, and said the doctor in question presumably reported it to law enforcement. Quote, we have uh, out there, obviously, a rapist. We have someone who is dangerous, and we have someone who should be picked up and locked up forever. An abortion by a 10-year-old is pretty rare. The Columbus Dispatch reported that in 2020. 52 people under the age of 15 received an abortion in Ohio. Now, here's the bottom line. Here's their conclusion. This is where it gets even more dicey and more pathetic on behalf of the so-called fact-checker. They say their bottom line, they do not award Pinocchios in this case because they can't, can't verify whether or not it's a lie somehow. They quote, this is a very difficult story to check. Bernard is on the record, but obtaining documents or other confirmation is all but impossible without details that would identify the locality where the rape occurred. With the alleged, you know, that kid who shot up all those people at the parade, they still refer to him as alleged, alleged, alleged. But this rape occurred, according to their reporting. Now, this is it. Here you go. Here's the money. With news reports around the globe and now a presidential imprimatur, however, the story has acquired the status of a fact, fact is in quotes, of a fact, no matter its prominence. If a rapist is ever charged, the fact finally would have more solid grounding. I'm going to read that again because this is, this is, if you're Glenn Kessler, I don't know how you'd, how you look at yourself in the mirror. I don't know how you, you do that. 
We found no proof whatsoever. We can't prove it. No one has proved it. No one has bothered to do any proof of it. But uh, we can't possibly judge it because, you know, who knows? A fa- it's become a fact because lazy reporters have reported it. He writes, with news reports around the globe and now a presidential imprimatur, however, the story has acquired the status of a fact, no matter its provenance. If a rapist is ever charged, the fact would finally have more solid grounding. More solid, more solid grounding. The use of the word more there in solid grounding implies that there is solid grounding. Does it not? I don't know. Again, I, I'm just a dumb guy with dyslexia. But that strikes me as what that word more means. More solid grounding. So then you have to assume that one person, an abortion activist, saying something is so and then refusing to offer anything backing it up, refusing to, is solid grounding. So that more could be added to it. That word more would mean something. You have to assume that's what it means. Is it not? Does it not? Yeah, that's how the language works. Now, maybe they're just not super precise with their language over there at the Washington Post, but I highly doubt that. I think they know exactly what they're doing. I think they're doing exactly what they're doing because they are acutely aware of exactly what they are doing. This whole thing is a sham. You have to prove something before we take your word for it. You want to know why? And all the time these reporters go, oh, I don't understand why people are viewing us in such low esteem. Well, this is a good reason why. This is why you pull just this side of post-nasal drip as uh, something people want, as toe jam, as something people respect. It's not by accident. It's because of your own Now, I told you yesterday about uh, the Reverend Dr. Jill Biden. God. You know, we had a an actual model who could speak six languages as first lady, got zero magazine covers, and they're plastering this uh, bleach blonde airhead all over every magazine cover they can get their hands on. Going, oh, she's so wonderful. And you listen to her talk, and she just, she's just dumb. When Hunter Biden is calling you dumb, along with a whole bunch of other things that he, he called his stepmom, in uh, text messages, drug-fueled and probably sober as well. When, but when Hunter Biden is calling you dumb, that's saying something. Only, and also when Joe Biden is calling Hunter Biden the smartest man he's ever met and ever known, that says something about Joe. Too. God, that whole family. <laughs> the whole family is just terrible. You got the degenerate brother, Joe, out there making money off the family. You got the daughter who... Uh, has all sorts of relationship problems that she in her own personal diary said, you know, uh, trace back to inappropriately aged showers with dad. Like showering with dad well past the age of it being appropriate. Now, I don't know what age is, I don't shower with my daughters, uh, but, and I just wouldn't, but I don't know what age it is that it stops becoming appropriate, but I would put it, you know, somewhere around, 10 or 12 if you're into that sort of thing and this woman is writing in her diary that she is so cavalier and has such a damaged sex life and physical and mental relationships with people she blames it on her dad showering with her long past the point of appropriateness and you go what the hell is wrong with this family 
What is wrong? And then you sit there and you think, has anybody actually looked into this family? That's a decent question. Bo Biden is held out. Bo Biden, I'll say, seems like uh, the normal member of the family. Bo Biden was the attorney general of Delaware, military veteran, served in Iraq. Joe tries to make it sound like he was killed in Iraq. He wasn't. But uh, he died of cancer years years after serving in Iraq. But he likes to try and pretend that his son was a died in service to the country. He didn't. But you just you hear nice things about Bo Biden. But I'm curious how how would one out of three kids not come out seriously damaged? The other two had substance abuse problems. I'd like to see somebody maybe look into Bo Biden. That would really tick off Joe. Anyway. Their uh, stepmother there, Jill, dumb, dumb as the day is long. She went down, I told you yesterday, she went down to the Latinx conference. Remember that thing where they're spelling everything with X on inclusion, but the S in inclusion was, was an X too. Like, oh, wow, they're super woke. And it was a whole bunch of racial justice activists. And they said how weird it is. That uh, for all the glowing press and the propping up of Jill Biden, a doctor, they make you call her doctor, for God's sakes, to try and people who are not smart insist on being called by their titles. If you're not actively, if you're my professor, I'll call you Dr. Dr. Biden. If you're my neighbor, I'm not calling you doctor if you are not a medical doctor. You're not practicing what you're doing. No, you're not. You're just, you're a, you got to. A de- an advanced degree in in uh, community college education. Not kidding. You wrote an illiterate thesis, and you got the, the the title because of who your husband was. So, no, I don't have any respect for your degree, first lady. Anyway, she they sent her down to Texas to San Antonio to talk to this group of Latinx activists, and. Now, listen to this clip. In it, she not only compares Hispanics to breakfast tacos. And like, you're, you're just you're super culture, your breakfast tacos. She also cannot pronounce the word bodega. It's not even close. Bodega. It's not a complicated word. It is B-O-D-E-G-A. There's no other way to really, well not normal people for another way to pronounce it bo de ga there you go syllable 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 bo de ga even aoc can pronounce it she talks all the time about how she loves bodegas up in new york city she can't bring herself to comment and come out in favor of the bodega worker who was attacked by the thug and killed the guy who's been thrown in rikers she doesn't care about that guy it's, again, the hierarchy of victimhood on the left. But listen to Jill Biden try to pronounce bodega and then compare a group of Hispanics or talk a group of Hispanics as, as breakfast burritos. But we can't get those things on our own. Raul helped build this organization with the understanding that the diversity of this community, as distinct as the Bogodas of the Bronx as beautiful as the blossoms of Miami, and as unique as the breakfast tacos here in San Antonio, (laughs) is your strength. Diversity is your strength, you bogadas. Bogadas? 
Are you thinking of Bogota, Colombia? Is that what Hunter wakes up screaming in the middle of the night? Where's my cocaine from Bogota? Huh? That maybe. But you're as unique as this, and you're you're just a bunch of breakfast burritos. Now, if remember, God, what was it? It was quite a few years ago that Donald Trump on Cinco de Mayo tweeted out a photograph of him eating a taco bowl, which is a taco salad. And the media to this day goes, oh, here's a picture of Donald Trump eating a taco bowl. There is no such response to this. All the reporting on this from the Hill to Newsweek is Republicans attack Jill Biden for X, Y, and Z. No, Republicans are just pointing out how dumb Jill Biden is, how culturally insensitive is. And if she were a Republican, you leftists would be screaming how racist she is. But I guess being dumb is just an excuse. Whatever. I do, you know, COVID, there are, there is a new variant, the BA5. There's BA4 and BA5. They, they've apparently run out of scary names to give the, uh, the COVID variants. So I just want to give you an update on the COVID numbers because we are in the midst of a surge. There's no question we're in the midst of a surge. And uh, this week is a seven-day rolling average because states have stopped reporting daily numbers. Most states have. Uh, One year ago, the seven-day rolling average of new cases was 22,822. Nice palindrome there. This year, it is 133,676. That's that's six times, seven times almost the number of cases, new cases. Now, I'll tell you that 133,000 seven-day rolling average, that's low. I'm telling you it's low because it's pretty simple. If you test yourself, you have COVID. Right, you got, everybody's got their home tests, or you can get the home tests at the CVS or whatever. You don't need to go see a doctor to have it administered. So you swab your schnoz, and it comes back positive. What are you going to do? Call your doctor, call your local health officials, and say, "Look, I'm not coming in to see you, but I just want to confirm that I have this, so it can be added to the numbers." No, there are a whole bunch of people who are minor cases or no asymptomatic cases who go, I'm COVID positive, I'm going to stay home for a couple of days, sit out on the deck and uh, until I test negative, who don't bother reporting it to anybody. So that number is definitely higher. But the telling number, the number that really the only number that matters, is the deaths. They're up, but not as much as seven times as much. The deaths, July 11th, seven-day rolling average of 2021, 224 deaths. Seven-day average July 11th for 2022, 396 deaths. So it's slightly less than twice as many deaths on a seven-day rolling average versus about seven times the number of cases, which is good to keep in mind. If you're immunocompromised, you absolutely have to be aware of this and you have to do whatever you... uh, whatever you need to do to feel better about it and feel comfortable or take care of yourself. Absolutely. But the vast majority of people seem to be weathering this thing quite nicely, which is good, which is good. There's a news story out of New York. D, uh, what is it? Uh, D-N-Y-U-Z. I'm sure that stands for something. I just don't care what it is. New York's uh, COVID-19 test positivity rate is 15%. 
In intensity not seen since January, transmission levels of the virus, according to federal guidelines, are high in every borough, even hospitalizations, while far below previous peaks are rising again. And the most transmissible Omicron variant yet, BA5, spreads through the city and nation. And they're writing this, it says, uh, earlier in the pandemic, such news might have been met with a mix of foreboding and fear. Now New York is meeting the moment with more of a meh. As New York City enters its sixth wave of the virus, few seem inclined to get themselves into high alert mode again, of course. Look, the virus, thankfully, and I hope it doesn't change, knock on wood, is becoming less, well, there's two possibilities. Either there is uh, there are traits in our DNA that we haven't yet figured out because the science around this has been terrible. There are traits around this and certain markers and blood types or whatever that cause people to uh, die more uh, more more than others, and those people have died off or beaten it and have some semblance of immunity, but it doesn't seem to. The immunity, natural immunity, doesn't seem to last very long. Uh, or the virus is becoming weaker. I think it's the virus is becoming weaker. I do also believe that there are certain markers in in our DNA and what have you that makes certain people more susceptible. It's not just age. It's not just comorbidities, although those are obvious. But I would because there's a lot of people. I one of my good friends looks about 18 months pregnant with quadruplets just is he gets winded getting out of his golf court he gets he gets winded thinking too hard and he came down with COVID at the very beginning old school original og COVID. and uh i we got the email and i called my friend and said that's it that's it you know what are you gonna we got one last chance to talk to this guy before he dies what do you we should probably call him and you know what do you say to somebody who's gonna die and a week later the guy's like oh no i i lost my sense of taste and smell for a couple of weeks but other than that i'm fine and ironically his sense of smell came back because his wife was making bacon like that's how he knew he was back like okay then maybe there's something more to this certainly not a definite death sentence that being said the new variants seem to be even weaker and let's hope that trend continues it's my personal belief and uh, when this proves to be true, I want full credit for it, because I wrote about it like a year and a half ago, that this virus was manufactured, was manipulated, was created in its uh, form that infected humans in that lab in Wuhan, China. And it is doing all it can. It wants to revert back to its normal state. It doesn't have any interest in human beings. That's not what they do it hasn't evolved to that point maybe in a few thousand years or a few million years it will but it wouldn't it was artificially mutated and things that are artificially mutated tend to revert nature tends to take care of itself right so i i think that this is the virus sort of becoming less and less impactful on humans i hope and uh then it goes away i have lots of people who uh People in my one person in my family has had serious long-term impacts from a COVID infection. They're they're getting over them now, thankfully, but it's been about a year. So they had long COVID, where they had serious issues. Other people had COVID in my family and never knew it, or well, they knew it, but they did never were bothered by it. 
Weird. My sister-in-law has asthma, and she, when my went through my brother's family, she was the one with no symptoms. That's a, a you know, a pre-existing condition that they were all warned about. So it doesn't seem to make sense. I'm fairly convinced that I've had it probably twice, two different times, maybe even three. But I didn't. First time the tests weren't available. I know my wife had it, even though they said no for antibodies. It was like a year and a half later, so it's probably gone. But uh, other times I I had tests that just didn't occur to me to get tested. I just had a couple of days of sniffles and crummy feeling-ish, but not completely crummy. Certainly not enough to not work, just not go to work, to work from home those days because you don't want to even if you're just if you got a cold you don't go well it's confirmed it's a cold so i can go to i can go to the office and sneeze all over everybody because don't worry it's not covid it's just a cold just a cold you don't want to be that jerk but you're, you're sitting there and you're watching these people in the media they're still trying to make this democrats still need this thing i promise you democrats still need this thing they do because they have no other election strategy. They need to get those mail-in ballots. They need mail-in ballots the way to go. They need people mailed in, mailed mail-in ballots. In the blue states, they've already said it, that they're going to get mail-in ballots. In the red states and in the purple states, they're working hard to say, well, we have to have it. Expect them to be filing lawsuits and everything like that. They want that. They want that. They need that. Because what else are they going to do? Run on their... Uh, Run on their record? God, no. The Atlantic has a story here on this subject. It says, well, here we go again. Once more, the ever-changing coronavirus behind COVID-19 is assaulting the United States in a new guise. BA5, an offshoot of the Omicron variant. It's like the ultimate spinoff of a sitcom from the 70s. Omicron variant that devastated uh, most uh, the most recent winter. The new variant is spreading quickly, likely because it snakes past some of the immune defenses acquired by vaccinated people or those infected by earlier variants. Those who have managed to avoid the virus for close to three years will find it a little harder to continue that streak. And some who recently caught COVID are getting it again. Quote, people shouldn't be surprised if they get infected and they shouldn't be surprised if it's pretty unpleasant. Stephen Goldstein, a virologist, at the University of Utah told me. This is from The Atlantic. It's nasty, pretty unpleasant. The flu is unpleasant. The cold, the common cold, is unpleasant. Is it more deadly? That's what matters. And according to all of the available data, it is not more deadly. Sooner or later, at some point, we are going to have to accept the fact that this is going to be around for a while. Even if my thesis is correct, that the virus is dying off because of unnatural things is mutating and dying off and becoming moving back towards where it should be in nature it can do some damage along the way it will get people sick along the way and who knows it could mutate wildly in another direction but i don't think we as a species are ready to lock ourselves up ever again lock our children up ever again under anything the people in charge of this blew it so badly oh yes there are some obedient lapdogs who will immediately they're still wearing masks everywhere you go what's really weird is i was in i was in frederick i was in costco in frederick i don't know a week ago or something like that and i noticed the masks are coming back the masks are more prep not not in mass you go to costco in montgomery county 
and you will see masks everywhere. You'll see scuba gear. You'll see people absolutely paranoid. But there's a huge difference between Montgomery and Frederick County. In Maryland, one is conservative. One is as liberal as they come. The masks are kind of creeping back into the conservative areas, but that doesn't mean they, these people aren't liberals. But nobody's staying home that I see. Nobody's running and living in a bomb shelter. Nobody's, you know, I don't see any more face masks, which is nice. And I haven't seen anybody in a space suit in quite some time. So whatever is happening with COVID, we're going to continue to have waves. We're going to continue to have waves for a long time. The only thing that matters is deaths, deaths. And those have slowed. Be interesting to know if it's because the virus is weaker or because the most vulnerable have already died. But whatever the case, we can only live in the now. And the deaths are down. That That is a good thing. I'll take that. Um, so I want to play you this. Because right now, I don't know if you traveled at all over the 4th of July holiday. You plan on traveling at all over the summer. Via plane in particular, it's not a good time. Not a good time. Over in the UK, I think they're limiting... The number of people who go through Heathrow like a hundred thousand a day. I don't know what normal is, but if they're limiting it, that's probably a little bit more than that, because there are all sorts of logistical problems that the airlines are having. There's strikes. People are mad that uh, about inflation. It's understandable. Ticket prices are going up because jet fuel ain't cheap anymore. There's all just sorts of nightmare scenarios going on here in the United States. United is having all sorts of work issues. The pilots want more money. Employees want more money. So they're having various sick outs and strikes and things. And and it's just not a good time if you're trying to travel by plane. One of the problems is staff shortages and pilots. If you look at what's going on, young to most airline pilots started off in the military. Not all, not even I don't even know if it's a much more than half, but it's it's a lot of them start off in the military. There's a problem in there yeah, Top Gun still exists. But there are fewer and fewer fighter pilots because there's a few, less and less need for fighter pilots. You can be a drone pilot right? It's drone. Flying a drone is similar to flying an airplane, except it's different. (laughs) You know, very different, different controls, different needs. So there's a pilot shortage. Plus becoming a pilot, if you're not in the military, is very, very expensive. It's a pain. You got to get a certain number of hours in. It's not, there aren't that many people walking in going, you know what, I'd like to apply. Hello, American Airlines, I'd like to apply to become a pilot. Oh, I need 10,000 hours or, okay, well, then I'll see you in several years. And then I'll go out and finance my my learning. You need, it's very big help to have breeding grounds for something like pilots in the military. Well, with fewer of them, you get fewer pilots. So we have a pilot shortage. That's leading to all kinds of problems. And then there's this arcane FCC rule, or uh, no, uh, FAA rule, that mandates retirement at the age 65 for pilots. Now, there may be a time, if you look back in 
There's no doubt things are changing. They always say, well, uh, 60 is the new 40. No, it's not. But it can be the new 50. It can be, you can be younger. There certainly are some people who are 60 who have the energy and, and mental capacity of a 20-year-old. There just are. And then there are some people who are, sev- nothing of anybody in particular, some people who are 79 who have the mentality of a one-year-old and, and barely at that. But there is this regulation out there from the federal government that was written at a time that when 65 was old 65 ain't spring chicken but 65 ain't old anymore if we're experiencing staffing shortages particularly pilot shortages one might think that you could look at that and go hey We've risen the Social Security eligibility age from 65 to 67. Maybe we should consider doing that when we are in the midst of a staffing issue for pilots, if pilots so choose. Now, granted, there will be some pilots who go, you can set the retirement age at whatever you want. I got enough money put away. I'm retiring to hell with you, whatever. My pension, this, that, and the other thing. That's fine. But there will be some who go, you know what? I want to keep doing this. I like doing this. I enjoy doing this, and I want to keep going. They should be able to. I understand the need to have a certain point where you go, okay, thank you, but we've got to call it a day. But that should be and could be based on cognitive testing. If you want to impose cognitive testing on pilots, I think I'd be in favor of that. Reaction times, things like that. But in all honesty... At this point, with the way that uh, the airline industry are going and the way that Boeing and and uh, Airbus and everybody makes planes, there's not a whole lot. Occasionally, there will be a, a sully situation where the the engines go because you of a bird strike or something like that. But in general, if something goes wrong, yes, you've got to react quickly, but you don't have to react immediately. Like, oh, no, I turned to the left, I jerked to the left, when I should have jerked to the right, it's all over. Because of the automatic features on these planes, they can almost fly themselves. So you would think that this administration, particularly an administration headed by somebody who is just a couple of months away from turning 80 years old, might look at that situation and say, I've got a a solution here to the pilot shortage as the airlines try to find more pilots and maybe have to create pilot schools and whatever specifically for them. Uh, we could extend, based on ability, based on assessments, the company isn't going to go, you know what, this guy's inclined to crash this, I think he's going to crash this plane and kill everybody on board, but we do need somebody in that seat, so let's go for it. I don't think they're going to do that. Their liability insurance would be pretty sky high if that were the case. So I think they'd be a fairly decent arbiter of what pilots are cognizant enough haven't lost a step at 65 that they could stay on but secretary mayor pete doesn't think so he was on with neil cavuto yesterday and was asked about this again all of this through the lens of the fact that he works for a dude who's almost 80 who clearly has not lost a step he's lost a flight of stairs joe biden he's lost a couple of flights of stairs and he's not interested in entertaining this idea. Listen to him. I know you oversee the FAA as well. There are worker shortages there. Uh, but when it comes to pilots, and, and uh, I think the retirement age remains 65, 
should it? Would you be for increasing that to increase the pool uh, of, of available workers then who could, who could fly these planes that oftentimes they're begging to find pilots? Look, I'm, I'm much more interested in raising the bar on things like compensation and job quality than lowering the bar on something like safety. And when you get to these training hours, uh, the retirement age and those things, those are fundamentally safety regulations. Uh, the United States of America should be able to have a robust aviation system uh, without watering down our expectations on safety. Do you, and think, I will it, consider, you think you compromise uh, safety with an old... I'm sorry, Secretary. Are you compromising safety. safety with a pilot older than 65? Because... A lot of people say 65 is the new 55, and we have a president who's almost 80. So what's the big deal if we went up a few more years? Uh, look, uh, that regulation is there for safety reasons. I haven't seen any piece of information or data that would suggest that the, the reasoning has changed. And so I'm going to look at, at other steps that are not affecting uh, safety. He's not interested. He's basically saying if you're 65 years old or older than 65, you can't possibly handle the rigors of you know, flipping a couple of switches and, and flying, not into mountains, and landing all computer assist. You couldn't possibly do that. I do love his answer where he's like, you know, I prefer other methods like uh, increased compensation and things like that. And you're sitting there and you're going, is there some airport somewhere that is just packed with you know maybe a hangar maybe it's where uh maverick lives in the new top gun movie where there's just they don't show it but on the other side of his wall where he's rebuilding his plane there are just literally thousands and thousands of pilots sitting young young pilots sitting around with nothing to do no job and uh, they're like i i want to work where there are a lot of people in there, they come in, they have pilot's license, but they do other things. Uh, no, I, I uh, cut grass for a living. Uh, yeah, I do. Have, I went through all the rigor uh, to get a pilot's license, but the pay is just too low as a pilot. So I'm ignoring that, and I'm sitting here chomping on an unlit cigar and uh, just watching TV until they raise the the salaries for pilots. Does, does Secretary Mayor Pete really think there is this gigantic pool of unemployed pilots who aren't employed by choice as pilots because they want more pay? Is that really what we're supposed to believe? Seems to be what he's arguing there. If I'm if I'm wrong, I welcome you to correct me, but that seems to be the point he's making as well, you know, I'd much rather try and attract pilots with better pay. Okay, from where? From where? The mythical pilot waiting room where pilots just hang out and going, man, I'd totally fly people if it paid better, but I'm not going, I'm just going to sit on this pilot's license and uh, you all can go to hell. Is that what we're supposed to believe? <laughs> just, I just love this idea. These, this is why you don't appoint people who have absolutely no idea what in the hell they're talking about. You don't appoint people who have any sense whatsoever of what's going on in the world. Nothing. Nothing at all. <clears throat> so the vice president, speaking of, of dumb people, the vice president, people in over their heads, the vice president of the United States, she, God, she is awful at messaging. She's, she almost makes Republicans look good at messaging. She's so bad at messaging. 
She has uh, been out there. She was on uh, the CBS Saturday or Sunday show talking to uh, Robert Costa, not Bob Costas, but Robert Costa. He went from the Washington Post to CBS News. I think it was a trade for a player to be named later. And they, uh, they're sitting there having this conversation. Now, we've talked about this. A lot of people have talked about this, the idea that Democrats had 50 years to codify Roe v. Wade into law. Now, granted, they didn't have control of Congress and the White House for all of those 50 years, but they had a good chunk. The four years of the Carter administration, first two years of Clinton, first two years of Obama. You don't need a whole lot more than that. They also had the first year of the Biden administration before this case came down. So if they were trying to, they could have tried to do something. They didn't. They couldn't bother to try to do anything. They just didn't. They wanted to have the issue to run on. It's way more lucrative to have these uh, these issues to run on and fundraise off of than it would be to address the issue. Well, now that Roe has been overturned, they're being asked, why didn't you at least try? Like, you could have. Under the, the first two years of Obama... For about nine months of it, they had 60 votes in the United States Senate. There was nothing Republicans could have done to stop anything. They could have done anything they wanted to do. They didn't do anything. They just didn't. They just didn't. They wanted to run on it. They didn't do anything about immigration. They sit there and they talk to Hispanic voters going, well, we want to, uh, we want immigration, immigration, immigration. Well, why didn't you do it? Uh, those evil Republicans. Republicans couldn't have done squat. Couldn't have done squat. Well, it's complicated. No, it's not. You're just lying. You you want the issue to run on. I get it. It makes sense from an electoral standpoint. It just doesn't make sense from a decent human being who isn't full of crap and lying to people standpoint. And that's the standpoint most of us like to operate on. So she was asked by Robert Costa, why didn't Democrats try to codify this thing and don't try and make it legal. Bypass. Like, all right, Roe v. Wade is there, but you know what? We're going to say anyway, it's the law of the land, federal law. Why didn't you try to do that? Her answer is uniquely pathetic, to say the least. Did Democrats fail past Democratic presidents, congressional leaders, to not codify? Roe v. Wade over the past five decades? I do believe that we should have rightly believed, but we certainly believe that certain issues are just settled. Certain issues are just settled. Clearly we're not. No, that's right. And that's why I do believe that we are living, sadly, in um, real unsettled times. (laughs) Certain issues are unsettled, and that's why we're living in unsettled times. Wow. You should write for Hallmark. You should really forget this vice presidenting thing. The poet laureate job was just filled for the United States, but, uh, you know, you could probably get her fired, take over. But I love that. We just, we kind of just thought that everything was set. Why would you think that? Why would you? There has been a raging debate in this country for 50 years over the issue of abortion. Even Darth Vader Ginsburg herself said how poorly decided Roe v. Wade was. And you're sitting there going, no, we... We thought it was settled. We thought it was over. Why, why would we do? You're the only human being in the world that thought it was settled. I'm totally shocked. 
Have you not? Look, I get that Democrats don't pay attention to what anybody who isn't a raging liberal Democrat, progressive leftist nutball says. They don't care what anybody else says. But it's almost impossible to avoid when you work in government that there are some people who think abortion is the greatest thing ever, like Kamala, the childless Kamala, mysteriously childless Kamala, I wonder. And other people who think that abortion is murder. That there was this, you know, loggerheads that they were at. One might think that you would have picked up on that, Kamala. But no. And actually, as a member of the Senate Judiciary Committee, who oversaw the hearings on several Supreme Court justices right now, the issue of abortion always came up. It always came up. Every single time. Why would you... If it's settled law, why did you bring it up, Kamala? Because she brought it up a lot. If it's settled law, why were you bringing it up? Why were you asking them about it? settled law? Well, no, it's just... It never, it never occurred to me that anybody might go the other way. Never? You're not very bright. Speaking of not very bright, she was then... This is one of those things where she's been asked this several times. And there's all these stories. We talked about it yesterday on the show that Democrats don't really want Joe Biden to run. Joe Biden's approval rating is just that below like a, a snot-filled wad of tissues or something like that. It's, it's just not a good time to be Joe Biden or Democrats right now, but particularly Joe Biden. And there are all these stories about how Biden is very upset. He doesn't understand why his approval rating is so low. And he fully intends on running. Look, his whole life has been leading up to this. He was a crappy dad who abandoned his family so he could become president of the United States a long time ago. And he failed and failed and he's finally there. Do you think he's going to walk away from that after one term? This is all. If he's still alive... He's running. So with Democrats not liking that fact, not liking that idea, there are all these stories going Democrats don't want him to run. Something like uh, 20% of Democrats in that New York Times, or 26% maybe, say, boy, howdy, we want Joe Biden to run again. Everybody else is saying no, for God's sakes, enough already. You would think she would be prepared to answer this. Now, as the vice president, you got to throw yourself on the grenade and go, no, 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 I'm totally team president. I'm going to do whatever. But listen to her answer here. It is the worst way to put the answer she has to give. It is the absolute worst way to put it. There is speculation among some Democrats and some Republicans that President Biden won't run for reelection in 2024. What's your message to those who say that? Listen to President Biden. He intends to run. And if he does, I intend to run with him. (laughs) So there you go. That laugh. He intends to run. No, he said he's running. And if he does, he said he's running. I'm going to run with him. Well, he's going to figure out if he wants you now after this performance. But there's there's just, yes, no, he's running. There's your answer. He's running. I'm his running mate. We're a team. There you go. There's your answer. If, in fact, these people get along. I don't think these people like each other. Not in the least. I can't blame either one of them for disliking the other. I'm, I agree in full agreement with both of them. They're horrible. Lastly today, as we start to wind it down, it is Amazon Prime Days. It's 
two. I remember it was one day. Now it's two days. It's going to be prime weeks before it's all over. And I, I can't help but, uh, you know, if you're not interested in it, you probably want to turn this off. But it's it's more personal stories. But I, I can't help but I love a bargain. God, I love a bargain. I, I was a big Black Friday shopper for a long, long time. I, meaning, like, getting the newspaper on the Wednesday before things, or whenever it was, when the sales circular, they're plotting things out, going, this is what I want to get, this is how I got to get it, this is what I'm going to, you know, hiding the knife where to stab somebody so you could get what you needed. All that stuff. I was very serious into getting those bargains. And now I look at, uh, like, Prime Day. I I look at Black Friday and I'm like, eh, I don't really need anything. Kind of a drag. I mean, I'm glad I don't need anything. And uh, or don't I've, I've matured to the point where I don't waste money and time going. You know what? I can just blow away money on this. Let's do it. Let's go crazy. I'm glad I've grown up to that point. But I, I sit there and I still look intently at the deals that they have because I want to find these great deals. And it, what are these great deals? What are they? Well, I don't know. Right now, I'm looking at automatic cat food dispensers you don't need an automatic cat food dispenser i'm just looking i'm just looking I promise i'm just looking but uh <laughs> you sit there and you i'm looking for the deal i'm always disappointed no matter what happens i'm wildly disappointed in what goes on what the sale is because i want the freebies and i realize it's an unrealistic expectation where you're sitting there and you go you know what i want to find that uh, 80 inch tv the 90 inch tv where they're like you know what and we'll give you $100 if you just take it off our hands i want to f- i feel like i can find that and i know it's insane i know it's not going to happen and all this that and the other thing on the other hand there was a time i was living in baltimore i wasn't making a whole lot of money i wasn't i it was a one bedroom apartment with cats and my microwave, I had a, my parents had given me the old microwave and it was a small thing and it went around in a circle and then it started making this squeal as it was going around in a circle. And I'm like, oh crap, it's dying. This thing is going. And it eventually went. It was just dead. Didn't have any settings. It was just the wind up toy micro, you know, the kind of microwave where you just turn the knob for as much. If you wanted something for less than two minutes, you had to like, wind it past 10 minutes and then back to to a minute to get it to stop or otherwise it would just go forever for some weird reason like the timers were screwed up or at least that was the old wives tale we were taught we never risked it but you sit there and you watch this stuff and you go i don't know i i'd look at microwaves and i was so used to being flat broke my whole life so used to it that I wanted the best deal possible. And I became obsessed with getting good deals. So I took probably six weeks to find a microwave. Now, the microwave was semi-functional. So I could use it a little bit, but the thing didn't spin around anymore. And if you didn't watch it, it would like burn the hell out of popcorn and everything like that. But uh, I looked and I looked and I looked. And I found you know good deals and everything, but they just weren't good enough deals. And then one day... I found what I was looking for. Almost the perfect deal. The perfect deal would mean I get money. Actually, you know what? I think I did get money. I think the dollar might have gone the other way. But I was at a Best Buy. They had a floor model. 
that was the last one. So they were selling the floor model, which it was like it was on clearance. So it was already cheap. And then they sell it for cheaper when it was a floor model. And there was a rebate that I believe, if I remember correctly, I got a brand new microwave. Now, there's nothing to write home about. It was like probably a $40 microwave to start off with. I got a microwave and they paid me a dollar. That the net, I think I had to outlay 14 bucks and there was a $15 mail-in rebate that I mailed in and got the check. So I got a microwave and they paid me a dollar. Now, it's one of the proudest moments of my life as a frugal, poor, cheap shopper to have done this. But it also ruined me for things like Prime Day. Because I'm still out there. Now it's Amazon Prime. You're not going to come across floor models. You're not going to find that deal. There aren't rebates and things like that. At least I don't think there are. So you're sitting there and you're kind of screwing yourself. I'm screwing myself. I, I ruined it. It's like your first girlfriend was a supermodel or something. And you're sitting there going, yeah, you know, I can't possibly go out with anybody. I, how am I going to follow that up? I couldn't possibly do it. But it was that kind of deal where it's like, is this true? And I'll tell you the truth. If you want to a peek into the psyche that I have, my damaged brain. As I'm, I'd already discussed with the dude on the floor, like, I think I'm going to, I think, I think you're going to pay me a dollar ultimately to get this microwave. And he looked at it and he's like, yeah, that's right. Cause the floor di- model discount and the, the sale price, the clearance and the mail in rebate and everything, you're going to get a dollar. As I've got this thing tucked under my arm, walking up, to the checkout counter in Best Buy, there was a moment, hand to God, where I thought, can I do better than this? Should I, do I want to jump? Because I've had microwaves, I've found deals where like new microwave, 10 bucks. I'm like, no, I can do better than that. 20 bucks, I can do better than that. And then I thought, as I'm walking, I'm like, they're going to give me a dollar. Wonder if I could find one that would give me $2. And I, I, I had to stop myself from stopping myself and I went and I bought the damn microwave but that's my mentality as I look at deals on prime day I'm like sitting there going this is uh it's mostly crap it used to be crap you'd never need now it's stuff that you like probably don't need but you like and you're like this could be useful so it's gotten better in that sense but in the grand scheme of things it's mostly just please run up your you know credit cards and buy a bunch of garbage that you don't need because it's an extra 30% off. And I go, 30%? That's why I look at this thing and I'm so spoiled and jaded or whatever, where it's like 30%, 30% is good. Don't get me wrong. 30% is good, but it's it's not 50%. It's not 75%. It's not 80 And that's what I'm looking for. As I scroll through pages and pages of cat food feeders and dog how many different dog collars are there for sale i didn't know there are this many dog collars in the world yet amazon's got them all on sale and you're sitting there and you're going how does this work who does this who needs 15 different blenders like i have no use for a, i have a blender but i'm looking at the blenders like that's a pretty good price on a blender don't buy a blender derek don't buy a blender. you don't need a blender but if you're in the market for a blender that's a pretty decent price for a blender I'm just saying. Like I'm looking at TV. I just got a new Apple Watch. My wife bought me a new Apple Watch for my birthday and Father's Day together. 
And they're having a hell of a sale on Apple Watches, $120 off. Apple stuff never goes on. That's a good deal. I actually looked at it and said, hmm, maybe I could buy one of those. And I'm like, what the hell did you do with it? You got, like, literally you're clicking with one of these things on your wrist. Stop doing it. Just a, a weird perversion. If it's too good of a deal, you can't pass it up. It's, a, it's that poor mentality. It's tough, tough, tough to shake. Anyway. Have yourself a uh, great day. I appreciate you listening. We'll be back tomorrow to do it all over again. I don't know about what. Lord knows Joe Biden will wander in front of a camera at something or Jill and they'll say something stupid and we'll mock them. Thanks for listening. 